know about my sister. Hi, welcome to the 13th Warehouse. I'm Vicki. And I'm Ken. My whole life has been a lie. A little bit dramatic, don't you think? Steve, if you found out suddenly that your sister was still alive, it would be a pretty big deal for you, no? Of course, but... Okay, now multiply that by about infinity because the guy who's been lying to you about it is the only real father figure you've ever known. Okay, your life is worse. Congrats. But I'm sure that Artie had a good reason. Yeah, me too. This is Doug with the episode credits for Season 5, Episode 2, Secret Services. Guest cast Janet Varney as Elise, Mark Declan as Ted, Chrissy Whitehead as Claire Donovan, and Megan Gallagher as Diane Hewlett. Created by Brent Moat and Jane Espenson. Written by Bob Goodman. Story editor John Paul Nickel. And directed by Robert Duncan McNeil. Original air date, April 21st, 2014. This was a warehouse case. Look at the angle of the wreck. Have you ever seen a car fling itself into a tree from a dead stop? Okay, so what do we do? Now that I know it's warehouse, I'd say give me a couple hours to decrypt the classified files and we can get to... Or you could let me show you. And now, the episode quick cap. Artie agrees to help Claudia learn more about what happened with her sister by going back into Artie's memories of the event using the bronze baby shoes. She learns that Claire had been affected by an artifact and was responsible for their parents' death. She could not be cured of the artifact's effects because Francis Farmer's music box had been thrown into the fireplace and destroyed, so Artie and Mrs. Frederick could not neutralize it. Claudia, now believing that she was the one that destroyed the music box, that led to her sister being trapped in that state, insists that Artie bring her to Claire so that she and Steve can go into Claire's memories to find out. She finds that Claire destroyed the music box and Claudia was not responsible. Pete and Micah meet up with old Secret Service acquaintances, Ted and Elise, to investigate a dry drowning. The next victim is Senator John Wilton. After there is a third victim, they start to understand that this seems to be all about a missing woman, Julia Helmsworth, who was last seen at a party with Senator Kelton. After he was disgraced by the scandal, he lost the election and his life was ruined. He committed suicide and John Welton took his seat. They suspect that the artifact is something that kicks in when the affected person lies. When the reporter who originally reported on the Helmsworth story is affected and confesses that Senator Welton's aide, Diane, paid her to ruin the senator, they go back to visit her. She uses the sword hilt on Ted and escapes. She heads to the not-so-dead Julia Helmsworth's house, and when Pete and Micah arrive, uses the hilt on herself in an attempt to kill herself. Back in the warehouse, Pete and Micah awkwardly discuss Pete's feelings about having a baby, and Claudia vows to find a way to release Claire. Hey, Artie, is that a new brown jacket? All right, all right. I know that you're researching Claire, and I also know no stern words or dire warnings are going to stop you, so... I've decided to show you Claire myself. The Artifacts of the Week, Bronze Baby Shoes, which we've already discussed in the episode Shadows. I've heard about those. Pete and Jane went into her memories with them. Remember, the danger of using these shoes is that we get seduced by the memories so we don't want to come out. You and I are going in there together so that we both make it out. Alfred Dreyfus's Sword Hilt. Alfred, Alfred... Alfred uh, Dreyfus? Yes. Falsely accused of spying the Dreyfus affair. That's right, that's right. Well, they, they framed this guy, right? And during the ceremony where they stripped him of his rank, they snapped his sword in half. Now, the, the, the statue is of him holding this broken sword. Right. But I can't figure out the connection to the salt water. He was imprisoned on Devil's Island for ten years. The only escape was a nine-mile ocean swim. When someone looks at the hilt... 
The next time they lie, their lungs will begin to fill with seawater until they drown. And Francis Farmer's music box. Owned by the American actress, who was most famous for her involuntary commitment to a mental hospital. Causes telekinetic outbursts. Triggered by anger. Links to full descriptions of each artifact from Warehouse Wiki will be posted on the website. What's the catch? There's no catch. This way I can keep an eye on you. Is he lying? No, he is not. Stop staring at me. So we're back with Season 5, Episode 2, Secret Services. Before we start, we have to add another Star Trek alumni to our Star Trek role. But this time it's not an actor, it's the director of the episode, Robert Duncan McNeil. Mm -hmm. And he played Tom Paris in the seven-year run of Star Trek Voyager. Oh, okay. And also a character named Nick Letourneau in a Next Generation episode, which I think is who his Voyager character is was based on and if anybody's interested in voyager likes voyager he does do a really good podcast called the delta flyers so if you're a voyager fan it's worth listening to and then i realized the other day when i was posting photos of the episode that's going to be published tomorrow when you're listening to this we were recording about seven episodes ahead so it's not really tomorrow in the listener's timeline if that makes sense Yes. But anyway, the sky's the limit. Remember the, what was his name? The Marvelous Monty, the magician? Mm-hmm. I forgot that he was in a really good Voyager episode with Kate Mulgrew called The Resistance. I particularly like that episode. It's sad. So I totally forgot about him. I should have added him when we were there. But I'm adding him now. Okay. <laughs> so what did you think about this one? I liked it. Especially with Micah and Pete. Because when Mrs. Frederick asked her how she was doing and... Did she think about children? I think that kind of shocked Micah. Yes. And then Pete comes in with that funky hairdo. <laughs> See, you never like that. I like that hairdo. You never like that one. I like that. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I even have it in my notes. I like when his hair is just normal without all the product in it. And I'm just like... <laughs> Okay, but you know, I heard people actually do that in real life. We're not married, and you still want to do this. We can have a baby or whatever, whatever. Right. So I thought Pete, I think, feels the need, and Michael kind of feels the need that this is what they want. They just don't have the right person. They're not in a relationship that they can have what they really, truly want. Right. about me? What? Pete. Right. See, I already have a child. No, I mean you could have kids with me. We could totally do without even having sex. That's enticing. Yes, but see, I got the impression, and I agree with you on Pete's side of things, but Micah never wanted to have kids. So first I thought she was asking her, is she able to have kids? And I was like, whoa, you know, you don't ask that question. But I think she was asking her, because of this whole thing, has she changed her mind about having kids? I don't know, because even at one point, I didn't want to have children. Right. And that's what she's saying. She says, sometimes when things like this happen, you change your mind. Yeah. Right. It does. You change your mind. Something happens and you do. You change your mind. Exactly. But what I was thinking, and I can't remember the way Micah reacted to it. Because remember, I think it was the last episode, I said, Micah's acting like there's something wrong that she's not telling anybody about. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if they told her she can't have kids because of this cancer. 
Just the way she was kind of reacting to everything. Could be. Or maybe the doctors told her it would be hard for her. I don't know. That was just kind of the impression I got because of her reaction to Mrs. Frederick's asking. And I could be way off base because I don't remember. Like I said, I remembered she had cancer. And that was all I really remembered about the whole cancer thing. So I don't know. Maybe it's what you're saying that she's rethinking everything. And she knows she doesn't have anybody to do that with. I don't know. What about children? Is there still an option? Well, I, uh, why do you ask? Well, sometimes in an event such as this, a woman can reevaluate her priorities. Ask herself if there's more to life while there's still time. Oh, uh, oh no, Mrs. Frederick, I am 100% here. I am committed to my job. I- I'm not really looking for anything more. But there's no need to close that door forever. Possibilities are what make life interesting. Okay, so when they go to, where they go, to Washington? Yeah. Okay, so when they went to Washington and they met up with the other two Secret Service people? Yeah. What? Simpkins and Meyer? What? Baring and Latimer? Hey. Oh my gosh, Micah, you look great. You too. Oh my gosh, you just disappeared into South Dakota. We couldn't find anything out. Uh, uh, yeah, what? but you tried there, didn't you? Uh, no, not about that. Well, you two. Huh? What? what? After the whole museum thing, the guys at the office had a pool going, hook up or kill each other. Uh, <laughs> well, well, neither one so far, but uh, I wouldn't rule out both. What about you, partner? <laughs> it was kind of funny because I'm watching the interaction with all four of them. All of them were kind of off. Even the way Micah looked at him, even when Pete was trying to get a hook up, like there's certain things when Pete says something the way Micah looked at him. And what caught me funny was they're at the bar by the pool and all these girls in bikinis are, you know, bathing suits are walking by. And (laughs) the women are talking and the guy got the shades down, checking out the girls and thinking that because they were so into their conversation that they didn't notice. Right. But they did. Of course they did. (laughs) Yes, of course. Yeah. I kind of did think something was off or not right or they were up to something with the parking ticket. Yeah. I was kind of thinking the same thing that Pete and Michael were thinking because I was like, mm, but they got married. Yes. And I felt the whole thing was awkward. And I felt like people kept pointing out how Pete and Micah should be a couple. Right. And mm-hmm. because of what Pete said earlier, I think it was awkward. You know what I mean? Yes, it was. Mm-hmm. And see, now I'm wondering... Because, like we said, there's only six episodes in this season. So I'm wondering if they pulled a Eureka on them. You know, Eureka was supposed to have six seasons, and then they cut it back to five. And then they were supposed to have, like, 13 episodes in the fifth season, and then they cut it back to six. Mm -hmm. It kind of feels to me like they're pushing a relationship between Pete and Micah out of the clear blue sky. I don't know, but to me it seemed like they've been egging that on throughout because sometimes I, I see the way Pete looks at her and sometimes I see the way she looks at Pete and even though she looked at Pete as a kid there's still something in her you know in the beginning she wasn't sure if anybody had her back and Pete has proved himself time and time that he had her back right sometimes that's what you want in a relationship is to make sure that your partner got your back through thick and thin so I'm just saying it's like technically that's what you want in a relationship yeah absolutely you're right Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Space, the final frontier, or is it? Discover the podcast of a couple of moms who love Star Trek and happen to have kids on the autism spectrum. Join Vicki and Elizabeth as we explore strange new worlds, talking about the new Star Trek Discovery series, autism, 
and whatever else comes to mind. We're Moms Going Boldly, and you can find us on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Player FM. Hey, Dud Gramley here from Yeah, That Can't Be Good. Please join Kim, Vicky, Skip, and myself over at Yeah, That Can't Be Good for an episode-by-episode podcast of all things Eureka. You can listen at EurekaRewatch.com on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. I remember we talked about this before, and I don't remember what brought the subject up, but we talked about how, you know, some shows tried to push you all along to want these two together. Mm-hmm. And I never wanted them to be together because I, I like them as friends. Yeah. It doesn't really matter to me if they end up together or if they don't. But like Eureka, they pushed from the beginning. They pushed you into wanting Allison and Carter together. Right. The show never seemed to do that. So it wasn't like my goal to see them together at the end. Mm. You know what I mean? And all of a sudden, it just seems quick to me. I know there were a couple times where we discussed it, where it looked like maybe Micah was jealous or whatever. But to me, it didn't seem like an ongoing thing. Mm. And now it just seems like they're really pushing it to me. Yeah. I don't know if this is like, you know, they found out they're only going to have six episodes and now they're trying to push all this stuff. I don't know. Right. It depends on what the fans were saying, too, because some people do write in. Yeah, true. But I'm going to see if I could look it up and find out if they got canceled. Like if they knew they were only going to have six episodes or if Sci-Fi pulled a Eureka on them and said, no, you have you had 13 and now, no, you only have six. And now you're done. Like in Eureka, Jamie Paglia begged Sci-Fi to give them that last episode mm-hmm. because they were just going to finish on the one before. So I don't know. I got to look it up and see. Because it just seems like they're pushing it really hard all of a sudden. Yeah. To me, it seems that way. I guess maybe it's just the way you look at it. I didn't really want them to be together. So maybe I wasn't noticing all the times they might have pushed us. I I don't want to see them together. I think they should be just really good friends and know that they have each other. Right. You know, for emotional, whatever support that they need. Um, Seeing them as a couple, nah, I can't see it. Right. And I never felt like they pushed that. Although there might be people out there who wanted to see him together and maybe saw clues all along. I didn't. Probably just because I didn't want to see him. I don't know. Right. To me, there are subtle things that um, make me question that. Oh, well, definitely in this episode. What happened to Claire? The music box infected her. But it was destroyed, so we had no artifact to neutralize. So it stayed in her permanently? We tried everything. We tried artifacts, antipsychotics. Nothing worked. The only solution was to put Claire in an artifact-induced coma. I wanted you to see. We had no choice. Is Claire being like this my fault? Artie, did I throw the music box into the fire? Then we go to Claudia. She felt that it was her fault. Yeah. About her sister. It would have hurt me to see my relative hooked up like that. Um, even though I know they were in any pain, but it was for the safety of everyone around. It had to be done. And Claudia was young at the time. Right. So, you know, when her Artie went back, Artie was ready to go, and she was like, no, not yet. First, they went back into Artie's memories, and they got to the point where they found the music box in the fireplace, and Claudia immediately thinks she did it, which is what Artie was afraid of. And because it was Artie's memories, he doesn't know. You weren't in the room. It's not in your memories. Claudia, did 
doesn't matter. It matters to me. I want to see things from my memories now. What possible difference could it make? So then she talks them into going into Claire's memories, and Steve goes with her because she needs to know if it was her fault. And that was kind of sad, too, that her sister killed her parents. Right. I think that's one of the reasons Artie didn't want her to know about her sister. But the biggest reason was because Artie thought Claudia might have thrown the music box in the fire. And he knows that Claudia would blame herself forever. Right. I like that Steve opted to go with her the second time because Artie's trying to protect her. And she said this a lot in the last couple episodes that it's not up to him to protect her. And he got really upset and he said it absolutely is because it really is not just her. Although he goes a little overboard with her because of the father-daughter kind of thing they have. But it is up to him to protect his agents. And when they came out and, and she said to Artie that it wasn't her fault that Claire threw it in there, He was relieved. And I think that's the biggest reason that he kept that secret, because he didn't want her to think it was her fault. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. What the hell happened? You were all shaking. It wasn't my fault. It wasn't my fault. Claire threw the music box into the fire herself. Oh, thank God. Plus, knowing Claudia, already knew that she would spend the rest of her life trying to save her sister. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. No matter whose fault it was. And I don't think he wanted that for her. Right. Mrs. Frederick knew Claudia has something. Yes, but she recognized that music box was evil even when they went back to the yard sale. Mm Mm-hmm. And the other thing, her and Steve um, looking at the car wreck. How do you wreck a car part? Right, that's what she said. So she knew it was a warehouse case. She intuitively recognized the artifact. Rare. We must keep our eyes on her. She's a very special girl. Like we said, Pete and Michael go investigate the drowning and they meet this Ted and Elise, whose relationship is a lot like Pete and Micah's. The way they argue. Yeah, it's cute. Yeah. This is like the second time we saw a couple of partners whose relationship kind of mirrored Pete and Micah's partnership. Like, mm-hmm. And you brought it up when we first met Jack and Rebecca. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's when we were talking about their relationship. Because you had mentioned that Jack and Rebecca reminded you of Pete and Micah. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's when we had that conversation about them being friends or not being friends. Uh-huh. So this whole drowning thing seems to revolve around a missing woman who the media blamed a senator for doing something to her because she was last seen at a party with him. Pete and Micah figure out that his opponent and the person who eventually took the senator's seat was one of the drowning victims. They figure out that whatever artifact someone is using is activated when the person lies. A lie? Pete, maybe it's triggered by lying. Well, that would be a perfect artifact, right? Because the perp wouldn't even have to be around when it happened. Point is, my clients have done the research and provided the data. Fracking is absolutely safe. (laughs) Matter of fact, I have your letter with me right now. Yeah? I'll take it up with my staff first thing in the morning. Hey, so the guy's name is Freddie Olin. He's a real estate investor. Bought and sold high-end listings. Uh, His assistant said he was on the phone with the buyer when he said, and I quote, I was just reporting a story, and if there was some vast conspiracy against Senator Kelton, I had nothing to do with it. Now if you excuse me, I have to get ready. Like before the ink had even dried on our marriage certificate. I, I was not. 
So the victims are all involved in a conspiracy to disgrace a senator to win an election, never thinking that the senator would kill himself. And since Diane, the aide, was the one who paid off the reporter, they go back to see her, and she zaps Ted with the sword hilt. And after he lies about looking at girls at the pool, (laughs) he starts to drown. And so it turns out the missing girl is still alive, and they've been paying her off all this time. Okay, so don't you think it's odd that they were paying her to stay disappeared, but they were writing checks to her real name? Yeah. They talked about this case like it was a big news case. Pete and Micah heard about it. Everybody heard about it. And so Mm -hmm. it's kind of like the, remember the Chandra Levy case? Yeah. So if Chandra Levy was really alive and living in hiding, they wouldn't be writing checks to Chandra Levy because her name was so well known in connection to her being missing and all that. If she went to a bank with a check under the name Chandra Levy, obviously somebody would know that. Right, yeah. So Pete and Mike could go into this checkbook and say, oh, they're writing checks to, I forget what her name was now. What? <laughs> what? And they fake her death and she keeps her name? Yeah, I don't understand that. That would be like hooking it up to where I'm going to get you a new name. I'm going to put you in a new city. Right. I'm going to set you up an apartment or a house. And you're going to go underneath this name with a new social security number. But she's cashing checks under her name. It doesn't make any sense. But anyway, so when Pete and Micah catch up to Diane, she uses the artifact on herself and tries to kill herself by lying. And now, here is some funny stuff. Okay, how about this? If in 10 years, neither of us has found anyone. Oh, a murder-suicide pact. Yes, it's a great idea. Look, can we stop talking about this and just get back to work? Hopefully we'll find an artifact that will kill us before I have to do it myself. Mike's, hey, you freeze some eggs, I'll freeze some sperm. It's all done with ice cube trays and turkey basters. Someone doesn't like natural gas. Besides you. I'll cut you. Yeah. I like the Claudia part of the episode more than the Pete and Micah part of the episode. Yeah, well, I kind of like both. I like the interaction of four of them. Yeah. I enjoy that. I like the thing with Claudia because she's finding out stuff. The water stuff. I kind of lost interest. I see what you're saying. I liked the interaction between the agents more than the actual artifact story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And then at the end, Pete tries to be serious. See, now, I don't know if at this point he was talking about the baby or if he was talking about more than that. It almost seemed like more than that to me. Did it to you? Could be. It could be something behind that. Because first he was trying to give her a speech about how she's the most important person in the world. And, you know, he was having a hard time, obviously, because it's Pete and he's not used to being serious. Yeah. I almost thought he was talking about more than a baby at that point. Yeah. Because at the beginning, the baby thing was just them having a baby, not having a relationship. Yeah, he could be putting more into it than that. Yeah, that's what it kind of seemed like to me at the end. Mm. And of course, Claudia, who said she would leave it alone once they went into Claire's memories, is now going to try and free her sister. Okay. (laughs) Which I hope, and I don't remember, I hope she would ask Artie for his help and not just go off half-cocked on her own. I think she's going to go half cock on her own. I know. See, but Artie would help her. I mean, he wouldn't do things that wouldn't work. But if she came up with solutions, he would help her. He would be against it, but he would help her. But I don't think she's going to ask. That's I my... think he might come in after to help her or in the middle of it once he finds out what she's doing to make sure that, you know. Yeah. But part of me just sees Claudia doing it on her own first and something happens and she needs, her, she needs help. Well, that's what they're making it look like by ending Mm -hmm. it that way. I'm just hoping that she would ask Artie for help. 
Yeah. Because, you know, even though he's against it, he'll help her if she happens to come up with a solution that they didn't think of. He's hard to deal with, and he's kind of like, you know, stuck in his ways. But he's never not open to new solutions to things. Mm -hmm. I mean, it takes a little while. (laughs) Yeah. I'm hoping that's the way this is going to go, but I don't remember. Yeah, I don't either. I don't remember anything about this episode at all. I remembered the sister story. Although, it's been so long since I watched it, I thought it was Claudia that threw it in the fireplace. That's the way I remembered it, but that was wrong. But I didn't really remember the Pete and Micah case. I did a little bit. I remembered the agents getting married, but I didn't remember much about that at all. Mm. I don't have much else. Do you? Uh, No, that's it. All right. So we'll be back next week for episode three. See you next week. Look, I know that I joke around a lot. But um, in regards to this whole baby thing, I just, I, I just wanted to tell you, you know, for real, just once so that you know. Look, Mike, you, you are the most important person in my life. If you ever want to, you know, if you ever want to talk seriously about any version of... I mean, I, I could be wrong, okay? I, I, I won't mention it again. I gotta go by. Hey, this is Dud Gramley reminding you to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash the 13th Warehouse. On Twitter at Eureka Warehouse. On Instagram at Eureka underscore Warehouse. On our website at the13thwarehouse.com or on Podbean. The music for the 13th Warehouse, Reflections in the Mirror, provided by Esther Garcia under their standard license. See you next time in the 13th Warehouse. And now we're also available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.